She said, I dreamed that we adopted again. It was a little boy from China. He was younger than Sally, and he had the same medical conditions that Sally had. Three days after that, I get an email from rainbowkids.com again, and I click on the picture because this little boy looks so much like Sally the first time I saw her. And so I clicked on it. It was a little boy from China, younger than Sally, and he had the same conditions that Sally had a meningocele. Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Well, podcast listeners, we just hit 40,000 downloads. That is so exciting for us as our listenership is growing and more agencies are using Adoption Now as training for adoptive parents. So thank you for spreading the word and for loving adoption stories as much as we do. We learn so much from hearing somebody else's experience, connecting to their journeys. And today I'm very excited to have Sarah Berry on the show. She's going to share her story about adopting two children from China. This story will make you cry. It made me cry when I first heard it, and then I heard it again, and I cried. Really happy tears. I mean, this is a story where at the end of it, you're going to be like, I want to go to China. I want to do something. I want to adopt. And so that's why we have her on the show is because we want to inspire families to adopt. We want you to open your heart and think about children that are out there that need moms and dads, that need homes. And so I hope today, after you hear this, you will be very inspired to Look in your own country, look at other countries, and just see the children that are waiting. Sarah is an author. She's written a number of books and curriculum, and she's written two novels about adoption, A Cord of Three Strands and A Broken Mirror. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, April, for having me. I'm excited to hear your story again. Let's talk about the very beginning. You have biological children, correct? Yes, I actually gave birth to five. Um, oh, my gosh. My husband and I both came from big families, not as big as we have, but we always wanted a lot of children, and we actually surpassed the amount that we <laughs> originally dreamed about, and are so grateful for that. So um, biological children, and then we adopted two, so we have seven, and are very thankful for them. And where are you from? I'm from Mississippi, if you can tell by I that. hear it, Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay, so you have five children, and what motivated you to start the adoption process? Well, I can't really tell a story apart from my faith. So I'm a Christian and have always loved children and felt drawn to them and called to children. I, we actually prayed about adopting for about seven years, and really, I never did anything about it. We just thought about it and prayed about it. And, you know, when I read my Bible, I saw about helping widows and orphans in their distress and I thought, you know, I don't I don't know any orphans. Live in a just a small town, a wonderful place to raise a family and but I found out about rainbowkids.com, which is sort of a hub that has photo listings of orphans from all over the world. And so what I did was I just signed up for the listings and I just committed to praying for these children that would come to my inbox. And I just would get an email with a picture of a child and I would read it and I would pray for that child and then I would delete email. And that was just my little ministry to orphans. 
So as simple as that is. But in the process of that, I also began to pray about our own call for adoption. I had a seed of adoption in my heart even before I was married, and that never went away. But as time went on, I got so old that I thought that perhaps this was just something I was passed down to my children and that they were going to be the ones to adopt. So I was in my late 40s, and one day just this rainbowkids.com email came across my inbox, and I clicked on it, and I saw this picture of a beautiful baby girl, and it said that she had a tumor on the back of her neck. And I sent it to my husband, Mark, who is an otolaryngologist. He's a head and neck surgeon. And I jokingly said, you know, you are a head and neck surgeon. What do you think? And he told me to just send an email to the Rainbow Kids folks and ask them for more information about her and her condition, which I did. And a couple of hours later, I got a response back. And they sent all of her records. And they said, if we were really serious about that, that we should fill out this one form and have it back to them late afternoon because they were matching her with parents that very day. Wow. And that, as you know, does not usually happen. So what usually takes months or even years really took us 12 hours and a couple of emails. Of course, we had to go back through the normal miles of paperwork and the hurry up and wait process of adoption. But finally, the day came and we went to China and we got our wonderful, beautiful little girl. We call her Sally. And she is now seven, and she is so happy and healthy. She had ended up, her tumor was actually a meningocele, which is a spinal cord issue. And we were able to have that surgery two weeks after we got home with her. And she has just done beautifully. She has no complications. She's very healthy. She's very active. And we're just thankful. So that's our little Sally. Okay, I have lots of questions for you. First of all, tell me about RainbowKids.com. They are sending you children internationally? It's like a hub of adoption agencies. And so most of these are special needs kids, but they can be very mild special needs or more severe. And so it's a hub. So different adoption agencies post children that they have. And you can look there. You can also select what you feel like you would be willing to handle and what you would not be willing to handle or able to handle medical-wise. But anyway, it's like a hub of adoption agencies coming together to try to get the information out about their kids, rainbowkids.com. Okay, so you can apply for that child even though you're not home study ready? I think that would be only with the ones that are special needs. But yes, in this case, I guess we have given them sufficient information to go ahead and match this. Of course, if the home study had showed something that, you know, they were not happy with, then they would have had, of course, revoked that. But that's how it worked for us. And I do believe that um, I early on would have been very afraid of special needs, but that is a way to help and get a child in a much shorter time frame. And oftentimes, you know, some people are called to children who have major medical situations, but also there are a lot of children. Another one of my friends adopted a child, and her special need was eczema. And it was very mild situation, but she was on the special needs list. list and because of that, she, they were able to get her in less than a year, I believe. Wow. We say that too. You know, be open to anything And just pray about it as you're sent a situation because really, honestly, if we would have gone in 
exactly the same way as our stories kind of came about, we would have said no to almost all of our children. But because we kept ourselves open, even though we're saying no, we don't think we can handle severe. We don't, we just kept saying no. And all of a sudden God was like, yes, you can handle this. And now I can't even imagine saying no. I can't even imagine shutting that door. So keeping yourself open in the adoption process is really, really important. Okay. So my question about your kids, your biological kids, how old were they when you decided, yes, we're going to try to bring this little girl home? My oldest was probably 17 or 18 at the time. And then they trickled down from there. So she was probably 17 and then 16 and then, you know, going on down. (laughs) So I think my youngest of the first batch, as we say, I think he was in the third grade when we got Sally. Yes. Would you suggest that to a family to have older children that can help you and understand that process? Well, I will say this has been the absolute best thing that we have ever done for our whole family. And for the older kids, it was so life-changing. And I never even know how life-changing in a positive way it has been until I have seen each one of them at various times. You know, when they have a school assignment where they have to write an essay, each one of them at various times has picked the topic of adoption to write about. And to hear their heart about it and their perspective and them telling their story about getting these siblings has been a very beautiful thing. So, yes, and it has been fabulous for us. Now, I will tell you, the first time we went to China, we took everybody with us. And what was interesting about that, and a little worrisome when we were there, and I was emailing my dear friend who had already gone through this, and she said, no, don't worry, it's all going to be fine when you get home. But at first, our Sally bonded more with my daughter than she did with me. She was a teenager. And so my poor Ellie, who is now 22, she had to hold Sally for that whole, you know, 24-hour trip home. Sally wouldn't go to anybody except Ellie. And at first that worried me a little bit, like, I'm a mom. She's going to need to bond with me, Mm -hmm. you know. But my dear friend just said, look, it's survival time those two weeks in China. Don't worry. Enjoy the help. And when you get back home and everybody goes back to school and you're with her every day at home, then that's going to just naturally take place. And I will say it took, you know, two weeks after we got back, we are so bonded. Let me just say that. Even now, I mean, I'm not sure anybody's ever loved me as much as Sally loves me. Oh, I <laughs> so love that. I'm so thankful for that. But it, it really did take care of itself. How old was Sally? She was almost two. Okay. So she was like 20 months, 21 months. Okay. I will say that in my opinion, I feel that that is the hardest age to bring home a child. And I don't discourage it at all. I think it's wonderful. But I will say that a two-year-old itself, aside from adoption, is a very difficult right. time. Yeah. I mean, they are just two. You know, they're throwing fits yeah. and tantrums. And that two-year-old phase is challenging when you have a child from birth. But now as you're adding in, you know, like you said, trauma and change and attachment, all these things going on, you're not sure, wait, is this normal behavior or is this two-year-old phase or, you know, it's really hard to decipher through that. Did you go through that experience at all? Sure. And, and also you've got, you know, I'm 51 now. I've got two married daughters and, 
two sons in college and one in high school, and then I have the five and the seven-year-old. And so I live in a lot of different kinds of worlds. And, you know, I'm the oldest mom at the kindergarten. And thankfully, I do have a, one of my best friends, also is my agency. He's adopted as well. But, you know, those young moms are so good to me. They invite me to their book clubs. And they, I think they think I know something. You know, which I, you know, we're all just still trying to figure it all out. But, like, they wanted parenting advice. And, you know, like, so it's been just a really neat dynamic. But. Because, you know, I had had the, the, the high chair put up for a lot of years, you know, and to bring all that back in, I can remember going to Walmart to go get supplies, and they had told us that even if she already was off of the bottle that they recommended putting her back on the bottle mm-hmm. just for bonding purposes, which we did, and it really was a blessing that she would let me feed her a bottle. Mm. It was great for our bonding. Even she went back to diapers for a while. She wasn't very potty trained, but maybe was kind of on the cusp of it. But that was another thing that they had said, let her be a baby for a little while. It's okay. You know, and I was, I was thankful for that advice, but I went to Walmart and, you know, so much had changed. I really just almost was there buying nothing because I thought, oh my gosh, there's so many more choices now. Then when my mm-hmm. first five were growing up, I didn't know what to buy, you know, from even the simple task of, oh, my goodness, there's so many more bottle choices or sippy cups or, you know, so things like that, because I had been away from the baby stage for a long time, it was a different kind of ballgame for me. But it was brought a lot of joy, too, and a lot of pleasure as well. I think what I like about your story so much is that you realized early on that there were going to be some things that were different than your other five, right? Right. And you just right. had to go with it. Like you said, being over there and, and watching this child that you're going over to bring home go to your daughter. As a mom, you're like, wait a second, this is not right. We should back up. But you didn't do that. I mean, you just let the story take place and you let her bond to your daughter. And I think that that's really right. important in that journey. Oftentimes, we want to be very clinical when we go into adoption And I mean, even your story about the bottle, my son was on a bottle for a really long time. And clinically, when people would see that, they'd be like, get him off of that bottle. And I struggled as a mom. I'm like, I don't know what he's saying to me. I feel like it's much deeper than just him wanting this bottle. Is it a control issue? We brought a therapist in and the therapist said, oh no, he wants you to mother him. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm mothering him every day. And he said, no, he wants you to sit with him. Give him a bottle every single night. I said, this kid is four. He said, just do it. It took maybe a couple of nights and that's exactly what he wanted. He went back a little bit and he just wanted to know I was his mother. I was going to be there. And so we kind of go on this journey that doesn't look like somebody else's. And I think being open to that makes it way easier. I agree. And I think that sometimes with my older kids, if they were five and seven and wanted to pretend like they were babies, I would have said, oh, y'all aren't babies anymore, you know? But, you know, if they want to pretend like they're babies, then I just go with it for, you know, five minutes later, they're ready to, to do something else, you know, but I think that that's okay because I miss that and they miss that. So if they can have memories of feeling like they were cuddled and babied, even if it's just, you know, five minutes of play, then they're going to have those memories of that. And I think that's healthy. And of course, you know, I don't know what the experts would say, but I know that it has been healthy for my kids. So. You know, I'm an adult 
And I would like to go back to my mom's house and let her mother me once in a while. Exactly. You know, even when you're sick exactly. and you're an adult, don't you think, oh, I wish I was with my mom. She'd make me soup and take care of me. And exactly right. it's kind of the same thing. You know, you're just going that extra step for what your child needs. In an adoption, that is so important oftentimes to get them to the next level. And going back in diapers, some people may view that as, oh, this is not good. Doctors may even right. say it. But really, we're looking to people who understand adoption, and it just doesn't look like you may think. And that's okay. And, you know, my, my husband, I'm very blessed, and he's a wise man, really funny. But his motto is, just do the next right thing. And you don't have to figure out what it's going to be like when they're teenagers. You just need to do the next right thing. And for us, the next right thing was adopting Sally. And then two years later, the next right thing was adopting Charlie. And we didn't have it figured out. And there were so many unknowns. And it really was walk by faith and not by sight for me, particularly. But I'm so glad I did. We get scared in this adoption stuff so often. Mm -hmm. You know, if we thought about it, even our birth children, we would walk around fearful all the time. But that's not as unusual sometimes. And there are different kind of things you face with adoption. But you just have to do it scared sometimes, and you just have to keep walking forward. And our journey has been very blessed because we did. That is so true. Sarah, we have to take a break, but when we come back, we want to hear about adopting Charlie. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. We're going through some changes at Adoption Now. We're working on a new website and changing around our podcast just a bit. We love all of your feedback, ideas for shows, and applications to be on the show. Email us anytime at april at adoption-now.com. We would love for you to subscribe to Adoption Now podcast by clicking on the subscribe button on iTunes. Then you'll get a new story as soon as the podcast is released. Again, thank you for listening to Adoption Now. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we're talking to Sarah Berry, who is an adoptive mother and also biological mother to five children. And now in the story, she's brought home one child from China, and she's about to bring the second one home. Sarah has written two amazing books about adoption. She's written several books, but these two novels are about adoption. One is called A Cord of Three Strands, and one is called A Broken Mirror. You can check those out on Amazon if you want to be inspired. We'll talk a little bit more about those books at the end of the show. But Sarah, we're dying to know about Bringing Home Charlie. Yes, our little Charlie is such a joy, and we're so grateful. But I will tell you that I was very reluctant with the second adoption. We had our Sally, and my other kids were all in great places, and I was really done. (laughs) I was content. I didn't want to rock the boat. You know, but that seed of adoption that had been in my in my heart for so many years indeed had been passed down to my children. And my oldest daughter had come home from college on Mother's Day. And we're sitting in church and, you know, I have a huge family, so we're taking up most of the row. And I look down there and she is weeping. And I mouth to her, what is wrong? And So she motioned for me, and we stepped outside the church, and I said, honey, what is wrong? And she was just could hardly get a word out. She was crying so hard, and she said, 
I've just been sitting here thinking that it is Mother's Day. And, Mom, you think that you're done, but you're not done yet. There's another child out in the world that needs our family, and you need to be open to that. And, of course, it was a very wonderful, touching moment. But in my mind, I was thinking, oh, but, honey, I'm old, and I have a lot of kids already, and I just don't know if I can do it again. But I thought it was precious, and I promised her that I would pray about it. And now there are a couple of things in Charlie's story that may sound sort of weird to people, but I think that I just, sometimes God works in mysterious ways, and maybe I just really needed a a knock on the head about this. But about three months after that, my daughter called me, and she said, Mom, I had the strangest dream. She said, I dreamed that we adopted again. It was a little boy from China. He was younger than Sally, and he had the same medical conditions that Sally had. And she said, Mom, it was so strange, so real. And three days after that, I get an email from RainbowKids.com again. And I click on the picture because this little boy looks so much like Sally the first time I saw her. And so I clicked on it, and what did I read? That it was a little boy from China, younger than Sally, and he had the same conditions that Sally had a meningocele. And so I think because it was like the writing on the wall, my husband and I both knew that we had to at least inquire about it. And I looked further at who the adoption agency was, and it was the same adoption agency in Utah, which, you know, I'm from Mississippi, so I wouldn't normally have selected that. But that's who had Sally, and that is who also had Charlie. And so we sent an email, and once again, in one day, we had our son, (laughs) or at least been matched to him. Wow. Okay. Explain to me the process in that. Do you pay money to this other agency? Do you do a home study in Mississippi and then they send it to Utah? The listing agency is the one who is responsible for everything, but being so far away, they partnered with our local adoption agency, which is New Beginnings, Um, wonderful people. They helped me so much because they were right here. And so they did the home study for us, but then sent that to Wasatch, which is also a wonderful adoption agency. That's who completed the adoption process for both Sally and Charlie. They are the ones who had Sally and Charlie as their listing. If somebody's listening to this and they're thinking they might want to go to China, how much money should they have saved? Well, there are several factors, you know, that come into play. It's a lot. (laughs) Um, A part of it depends on, you know, how many travel with you. I would say 30 to 40,000. Okay. With our second adoption, just my husband and I went. So it was a little bit less expensive, but I wouldn't trade the fact that the first adoption, like all of my birth children, well, really, since they came from China, all seven of our children have experienced Chinese culture. And so that's been a nice thing. Yes. Um, But, of course, there's all sorts of grants out there now as well. Okay, so how old was Charlie? Charlie was a little bit older. He was almost three. And when we found out about Charlie and we contacted the adoption agency, they actually called us back three different times. And they said, you know, we don't think he's going to be able to walk. His meningocele was on his lower back. He had already had the surgery there. 
he was past the age of late blooming. He was almost three years old and he was unable to walk. And so they called us back three times asking us if we wanted to reconsider this adoption because they didn't think that he would be able to walk and they knew we had a large family already. And I was very scared about that. I thought with my age and you know, all that kind of thing. I mean, if we have a child that will never be able to walk, what would that be like, you know? And yet, I felt like the Lord had been so clear by the story that I told you before with my daughter, and that that gave me the courage to say, no, this is our son. You know, this has been made very clear to us. We will figure it out. And so, honestly, we didn't talk a whole lot about the fact that he would not be able to walk. I think I was just scared, and we just didn't make a big deal about that. And I know this may sound strange, but I didn't want to talk about a whole lot in our community because this is what I did not want to happen. I didn't want people to go around patting us on the back, saying, oh, what great people you are, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm not trying to be a great person, you know? Right. I'm not doing charity work. Exactly. And I didn't want that kind of talk. We were just trying to go get our son. And so even though they had matched us in one day, you still have to go through all the paperwork. And so a little over a year later, we were headed back to China. Again, we didn't talk about it a lot, but I had a group of about 12 friends and family members that I just shared my heart with. And they just said, look, they say he can't walk. They don't think he will ever be able to walk. We are fine if he cannot ever walk. We're prepared for that. We're, we're going to be fine with that. But we just pray that God would do a miracle. And so the week before we left, I had a friend come over and say, I told her the story and I told her what I was thinking. And she said, you know what? I'm just going to believe that with you. Let's just pray about it. And so we went there and on the gotcha day, and you go into this big room, there are other parents, adoptive parents waiting. And the van comes from the orphanage. And out walks all these little toddlers, these little adorable Chinese toddlers, and they all walk in in a single line except my Charlie, and he has to be carried in. And he's at the back of the line. He's the only one that has to be carried. Of course, we went and greeted, you know, him, and I held him, and I tried to stand him up on my legs. You know, I sat down on the little couch, and I tried to stand him up, and his legs were just weak and flaccid, and we knew he couldn't walk. I mean, it was obvious. But I sent a translator back to ask the orphanage director to confirm that he couldn't walk. Indeed, the orphanage director confirmed that that to be true. And so the translator came back and said, no, I'm sorry, he's not able to walk. And I said, well, it's okay. We knew it. We, we knew that that's what it was, and we love him, and he is our son. It's going to be okay. Quite honestly, he seemed a little worse than we had even thought. And so we get back in the van to go back to the hotel, and we have our Charlie, and we are just blessed and excited, scared to death, and we began talking about what therapies and, you know, wheelchair, do you think you'll ever be able to use a walker, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so we thought, make a stop to get the money translated, and my husband and the translator went inside, and I'm just sitting in the van with Charlie in my lap, and, and I just kept thinking that, what the heck, I'm just going to pray. And so I just laid hands on him, and I just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he kicked his leg after I prayed that. And I thought, well, at least he can move. Because I just wasn't even sure the way he had, you know, had been, his leg seemed so weak. I wasn't even sure he could move his leg. 
And so we get back to the hotel room and we just put him with some toys on the floor and we're calling our other family back in the state saying we got him, you know, and all of a sudden I hear my husband and he says, oh my gosh. And I look over and Charlie just stood up and then he kind of wobbled, toddled over to the desk, took about three or four steps over to the desk. And thankfully my husband was aware enough to grab his phone. So we have this on video. And so the translator suggested that we offer him a piece of candy. And so my husband's saying, Come here, Charlie. Come here, Charlie. What's your candy? Come here, Charlie. And all of a sudden he sees a candy and he takes off running. Oh my gosh. And so he went from not being able to walk with these weak flaccid legs. We weren't even sure he could move to an hour later, he stood up by himself, and even if it had been his first steps, you don't go from toddling over to the desk to running. So in our mind, in our belief, in our opinion, it was a great miracle that God just graciously did. We're so thankful for that. And now he's, he walks and he runs and he climbs and he rides on his bike and his scooter He's five and a half now, and of course, we took him immediately to the neurosurgeon when we got back, and there's still a little hump on his back, which is precious to us, because it, every time I see it, it reminds us of the amazing thing that God did, because that hump shows us that, you know, he probably shouldn't be doing all of this, but the neurosurgeon says that, you know... He was amazed. We even went back and went to the orphanage where he was, and the folks there, they didn't believe us. But at that point, he wouldn't get down. They said, show us, put him down, show us, said that through the translator. But by that time, already was just in a few days, he was so attached to my husband that he wouldn't get down to show them. But our neurosurgeon says, uh, you know, just let him go be a little boy. And he says, when he gets to be, you know, a junior high student and starts talking about wanting to play football, we might need to discuss that. But other than that, he's just good to go. And we go for yearly checkups and all is well. And we're very, very thankful. That is so amazing. It really is. I think about our story. We also had a miracle with our son. When he was born, they said that he would never walk or talk and he probably couldn't see and hear and everything changed for him. And so every time I see him play a sport, I'm crying every time. I mean, he could not even be successful. He could have thrown the basketball and not made it. And I am still crying because I just can't believe it. We were ready to get the wheelchairs and we were ready to go down that path, even though it was terrifying. And I can't explain it. It was just this moment in time when we said yes And we have this beautiful son who is amazing. And if you were to know him and if you do know him, every time I tell the story, people are like, no way, because he's so gifted athletically. And so I just love that story because I'm with you in it. And that moment when you feel like God has answered your prayer, it happens. It still happens. It happens in adoption. And it's, it's amazing because it's great for the kid, but what it really does for your faith and the faith of your children and the people around you. I mean, that must have been huge for them. Oh, and my friends, those 12 friends that I told you that kind of were my inner circle that I really told the whole thing to, it changed their life. It changed their life because they, it was their prayers as well. 
And, you know, there are sometimes even greater miracles when the answer is no. You know, when the answer is, no, I want you to walk this path with a wheelchair, you know. But I also believe that there are miracles in those stories as well. And I believe that with my whole heart. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we pray for a physical healing. And, you know, what we want to celebrate is all miracles. I mean, it's a miracle when a child attaches to a parent. No matter if they can walk or they can't walk, it's a miracle when a child gets over some fear. It's a miracle when the child cannot read and all of a sudden can read. I mean, those are miracles, right? Because we're coming into these little lives and we're hoping that we're going to see change. And so we want to celebrate on Adoption Now any miracles that happen. Walking is amazing, but also the child that will not hug you and one day they hug you. Right. And so miracles can look different in everybody's life. But the fact that we can bring some hope and some faith into the story, I really believe that those stories are really rich. I always say adoption changed my life. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, because you became a mom. No, the person I was when I started the journey and the person I am today are two different people. And my faith has grown so much more. And I have seen God in ways that I would have never seen if I would have just said no to everything, even if I would have, I mean, I was a missionary in in Africa. So, I mean, I've seen missions, you know, I've been out there, but to me, adoption has been so close to the heart and so life-changing and so breaking. And so when I see somebody in the very beginning process, even though they're saying it's really hard and these things are going on, I just know at the end of it, if they really hold on to God, they're going to be totally different. I agree. I mean, I think it's a miracle for me, even now that we've been through it, I look back and I think, I don't know how I had the nerve to do that. Knowing myself, I'm a scaredy cat, you know? And how are the two now? Are they bonded together as siblings? Oh, they adore each other. I mean, they are so bonded together. They are definitely siblings. They have, you know, a little fat sometimes and little arguments, but they do not like to be away from each other. I think that with Sally having five birth children, having them being older, I think she would have been pretty lonely as the years went by, you know, but to see her and Charlie play together and talk to each other and laugh and joke and say silly things. It is such a joy to see them. And we're very, I mean, you know, obviously they don't look like us, but they are so very, you know, they're such our family. You know, other people say they're just a Chinese version of your Mm -hmm. other children. They just fit perfectly. Of course, there's different spots that you have to pray for wisdom. And you think, how do you handle that topic? When do you bring up things or Or do you, do you just let them bring it up and you answer their question? So, you know, it's always still trying to figure it out, but they are very bonded to their family. Their family is very bonded to them and they are very bonded with each other. And recently we were talking about going on a heritage trip to China one day and Sally was talking about how she wanted to see the Great Wall of China and, you know, just these different things. And and Charlie kind of overheard it and he said, now, wait a minute, you're sending me back? Huh. Oh, no, son, we're talking about a vacation that we would all go on together just for you to see it. You wouldn't stay there, and we would always be with you. 
you know, but you saw that he was just very confused, you know, and so we were able to kind of address that and say, oh, no, remember, son, families are forever. You don't ever have to worry about that. You will always be in our family. And so little things like that come up that, you know, you just address as they come up. I like one of the things you say that abandoned spots leave room for healing spots. And so when children bring things up like, are you leaving me? Or, you know, you can tell when a child is worried about their placement or they're worried about, they're just having an abandoned feeling that comes up. And then there's this space that you can bring healing. And we don't ignore that. We don't ignore that these questions are real questions, but we can bring a new aspect and we can bring something amazing out of something so painful. That's right. And, you know, you referred to the abandonment spot or or whatever. I I can remember right before we went to go get Charlie, I read a blog post of another woman who was in China at the time picking up her adopted son. And two days after the docu day, they traveled to the exact spot where her son was abandoned on a busy street in front of a convenience store. And I started to cry when I pulled up the picture because that was similar to my own children's stories. And But as I continued to read the blog, I noticed that she did not call this spot his abandonment spot. She called it his finding spot. And mm-hmm. I just began to weep. When I read that, because you think about that, it's all how you look at it. It's not his spot of being abandoned. It's his spot of being found. And I think that that can be applied to other things in our lives, you know, that these hard spots, these spots that we, you know, feel abandoned or or raw or weak. I mean, those are really finding spots for us because that's when, you know, we come to the end of ourselves and we turn to the Lord and So we were able to go to Charlie's finding spot when we were in China getting him. And we just stood in that place and we just took it back. We just declared that it wasn't a spot of abandonment, that it was a spot of of being found. And so that was an important moment for us. I love that. I think that that is just important to, to really redefine some of these Things that people say, oh, well, the child's abandoned or left or not wanted. And we as parents get to change that vocabulary for them. It doesn't mean that some of that doesn't come out, but it just means that we're able to redirect and bring love and bring insight and gratitude, hopefully, right, into our families. Sarah, tell us a little bit about these books. Okay, my latest book on adoption is A Broken Mirror, and that is a novel based on a true story of my friend Kelly and her journey. She went through some rough waters that she had to navigate. She had some abuse in her life. She had actually abortions as part of her story, which she deeply regretted later. As a result of that, she actually couldn't have children And how God redeemed that through adoption has been miraculous. And she actually ended up adopting a set of twins. The Lord had given her a scripture about that he would give her a double portion. And then the woman ended up having twins. So she got her double portion. And then a few years later felt the pull to adopt again, which she did. And it was an open adoption. And as she got to know the birth mother... 
she realized that God calling on her life did not just involve adopting the son that the birth mother was about to have, but a couple of years later, she ended up also adopting the birth mother. And so it's a strange dynamic, but it is a precious, precious story. And and these are wonderful folks of walking down really difficult roads. And so, you know, when she, a couple of years later, adopted the birth mother, they legally changed her name to Williams. And But even though she gave birth to the son, she is more like the big sister. She was a teenager when that took place. And they had to establish those parameters and things like that. But it's a beautiful story. It's called A Broken Mirror. Do you have a website? You can get that on Amazon. You can also look on my website, which is sarahwberry.com. And the books will take you to a link to the publisher from there as well. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I am going to post that video of Charlie walking because it is really phenomenal. And everybody needs to see it. Everybody needs to be encouraged like that in their faith. And it's just amazing. So I'm definitely going to post that. Thank you again. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. Remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Our website is up and running. So check us out on adoption-now.com. I'm your host, April Fallon. We'll see you next week.